Hello and welcome to Let's Talk Diz, a show that gives you everything you need to know to help make your Disney vacation as magical as can be in just about 20 minutes. I'm your host, Jeff Coviello. With me each week is Disney Master Sandy from Easy Diz by Instant Impressions Travel Services. Sandy, how are you tonight? I'm doing great. How are you doing today, Jeff? I'm excited about tonight's show. Uh, we are going to stray a little bit from our typical formula. As, as you know, Sandy, there are many of us that come to the table to discuss Disney. We have, just like every other Disney fan, we have a group of people that understand the the craziness, the good craziness that, that makes up being a, a Disney fanatic. And so tonight, uh, we're going to bring a, a third person to the table for the first time. His name is Mike Dreitline. And Mike, like many of us, is a lifelong Disney fan. And, you know, as I said, we all channel that love in different ways. Mike has channeled it into a deep dive into the world of design and the other world of architecture. Uh, through his academic study, Mike has positioned himself as a future immersive storyteller, armed with a wealth of knowledge of both the history of architecture and the elements of design. And so, Mike, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, I'm excited that you're here. Um, we're going to break down what I'd like to call the five hidden gems inside the Magic Kingdom that'll make you see the park differently in the future. So Mike's here to give us a little bit about the architecture and the design element and we'd be lost without our Disney master, Sandy, to give us the Disney side of the particular area that we're going to talk about. So we believe that that ladies should go first. So I'm going to introduce a specific area of the Magic Kingdom. And then, Sandy, you give us the, the Disney master fact that you can share with it, or facts. And then, Mike, you can kind of break down the, the architecture and design portions. Does that sound good for both of you? Sounds great with me. I can't wait. Let's get going. So, Sandy, the first thing that uh, we decided to talk about is the Emporium on Main Street, USA. And we started there because it's where it begins. You come through the train station and you're greeted by that street. And it looks like that small town. And if you've ever really taken your time and looked up at the windows, you'll see different company names and people names on those windows. And there is nothing arbitrary about them. And that probably doesn't surprise you since we know what a storyteller Disney is. I'm going to share a couple of my favorites. Probably my favorite Disney planning, pre-planning one, is a window for M period, T period, lot, L-O-T-T. And if you say his name fast, yes, it's empty lot. <laughs> That's one of the pseudonames that they bought property under because they didn't want people to know that Disney was buying up all of this land and marking it up. So several of the windows are odes to the companies that actually purchased that land right on Main Street. Which is which is awesome. I mean, it's just one of my favorite things to hear. <laughs> MD the lot. second way that those windows come to pass is similar to getting a Hollywood Walk of Fame star. You can be inducted and receive a window. So no surprise that Walt and Roy both have windows, but I always encourage people be on the hunt to see some of my favorite Imagineers, Bob Gurr, Tony Baxter, Alice Davies, incredible, incredible people. And then when you're going to head into the Emporium to check out the details that Mike is going to talk to you about, pick up one of my favorite books, The Windows on Main Street. It's a really thin little paperback. But it has pictures of all the windows and why people earn their spot there and some incredibly inspiring stories in there. And check out all those details. Mike, what should we look for inside? 
So when going inside the Emporium, there are definitely you know many details all across uh, Main Street USA. Um, you know specifically Main Street USA. You know in Disneyland, it's designed after a Midwestern town, but in Magic Kingdom, it's actually designed after a prosperous New England town. And there's many architectural designs all throughout you know Main Street USA, including the Emporium. Uh, one of my favorite architectural details in Main Street. Uh, includes the four corners, which happens along Center Street, where each of the buildings on Center Street shows a different architectural styling across the East Coast, uh, specifically New Orleans, New England, Chicago, and New York City. Specifically, the Emporium is designed after a Victorian architecture scene around the Mid-Atlantic, specifically uh, New York City. And a design feature to look out for, you know, my, my special design feature, um, you know, the story of Main Street USA and specifically the Emporium is set between the years around 1895 to 1905 when electric lighting was just first coming into play. Take a look around the store and look at the chandeliers and the lighting fixtures. Um, one of my favorite features is that the lighting features have both arms that point up towards the ceiling as well as down towards the ground. And the reason for this is that the chandeliers are representative of what we call dual-use lamps, where kerosene lamps would be mixed with electric lighting. Um, and these were popular around the turn of the century because if the electric lights went out, you could still light the store with you know, kerosene and gas lamps. So you can, you can find that when you go within the Emporium itself. And I think you're both right. You cannot talk about architecture in the Magic Kingdom without starting on Main Street USA. And that's exactly why we did it. So you may just take for granted the fact that you have this feel that seems organic. A tremendous amount of detail goes into putting it together. So the next thing, Sandy, that I did want to get your perspective on is uh, Crystal Palace. So for Crystal Palace, I'm going to give you a little bit of a park planning tip first. We're doing the park in the order that most people do it. They come down Main Street and they make their way around in a left-hand order. So park planning, go in and go right. The crowds will be less. But we're going to get right to Crystal Palace. And as its name implies, it is crystal, much, much glass on it, and a large palace. And what's unique about it from my perspective is that's where Winnie the Pooh and friends are for their meals. A little bit stepping on Mike's toes, a tiny bit on the design. It's designed on a Victorian garden concept, what they've seen, where the garden is normally out front. But any gardens in Disney, we wouldn't know it was connected. So this restaurant actually has its own garden inside. And to tie it into the theme, you'll see 99% of the year, there are topiaries in the garden of the characters that'll greet you at the meal. If you time it really well, you might even get a picture of topiary Pooh Bear with regular Pooh Bear and you all standing <laughs> together in their little garden. I will say that if I had to, to give an echo, I would echo. I always go right. And when my wife is listening to this show and she heard you say, most people go left, she's literally going to be screaming at the radio, screaming, no, go right. So I will <laughs> echo that with you. Uh, Mike, talk to us for, about your end for the Crystal Palace. So unlike the rest of the buildings we may see on Main Street, which try to evoke a sense of architectural stylings, like I said, it evokes a sense of New York or Chicagoan uh, you know, architecture at the turn of the century, the Crystal Palace is actually an example of what we like to call 
recreation architecture. Um, so it is a what we call you know a squash and stretch recreation, albeit on a much smaller scale, of the Crystal Palace in London, which was a large Victorian glass building that stood between 1851 and 1936, which matches our time you know our time period. Um, and the Crystal Palace was built to hold one of the world's first World's Fairs. Um, and it was built of iron and glass. And, you know, as Sandy said, it was built to hold many things, but one of them being Victorian gardens. So as we see within our, you know, main street version of the building, we have, you know, many Victorian gardens, which evokes the sense of, uh, architecture of the past um and as well you know main street usa is inspired by east coast america of the 1900s and this is kind of a transition from american architecture as we see in uh, you know, on main street usa to more of a european architecture as we see in europe and then you know becomes transitioning to more european architecture as the, we eventually lead towards the castle you know you mentioned the world's fair this is not the only place where the World's Fair and, and Walt Disney specifically cross paths, right? So it, it's it's interesting to me that that was the choice that was made uh, to, to kind of recreate there. Uh, not, not lost on me. As we continue through the Magic Kingdom in the way that, like I said, uh, I definitely do not go, uh, we make our way over to Adventureland, where one of the more historical attractions lives. Sandy, talk to us from the Disney master standpoint about Walt Disney's Enchanted Tiki Room. In the Tiki 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 <laughs> Room. Oh, wait, you didn't want me to no, sing I, to everybody? I, I knew I could get you to sing. I knew it wouldn't be hard. <laughs> I do think that that one sticks with you more than it's a small world, and now you're probably all cursing me as I've given you two earworms. But originally, this was named the Tropical Serenade. It changed names later. It was built out in Disneyland as an opening attraction that almost never came to be. They ran out of startup money, and the live show, that Broadway feel, was something that Walt wasn't willing to give up. And so he said to them, I'm going to pay for this. I don't care that the company doesn't have enough for this. We have to open with it. So in Disneyland, it is the only attraction that actually carries Walt's name. It is the Walt Disney's Enchanted tiki room and if he hadn't been so persistent on that we might never know where all the birds sing words and the flowers croon you know we could keep going if you'd like to continue to sing you can sing the entire thing that that's okay i'd like to keep the listeners that's probably not a good plan to allow me to sing there's a reason we talk not sing normally all right so mike let's let's segue over to you then from a design and architecture perspective obviously very different from where we have left from main street usa to crystal palace now we're in walt disney's enchanted tiki room so definitely vastly different as we cross the bridge over into adventureland and you know when people think Tiki Room, they think definitely South Seas, Hawaii, maybe. But unlike, you know, the Tiki Room in Disneyland or even, you know, the Polynesian Resort, um, this building isn't necessarily a architectural representation of Hawaii or South Seas longhouses, but is more actually Asian-inspired. One challenge that I like to point out, you know, whenever I'm, you know, in Adventureland, and one challenge that was posed to Imagineers when constructing the Tiki Room was you can see the building from Frontierland. You could see the back of the, you know, the building from Frontierland. So what do you do? You know, you can't be having this, you know, Asian style building, you know, pop up in, you know, 1800s Western town. So to fix this, the roof was adorned with the Adventureland side, maybe interpreted as Asian water buffalo. But from the Frontierland side, they look like Western Longhorn, fitting the 
the theme or the uh, aesthetics of both lands. So <laughs> this is just like me, Mike. And Sandy, I know you're the same way. You had said that, you know, one challenge posed to Imagineers, I'd like to point out when I go, I do the same thing when people travel with me. And so some people, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably like, oh, that's great. Yeah, I have noticed that. Or, oh, that's wonderful. But if you're not listening to this podcast and somebody talks to you about it, there's a perfect juxtaposition of, wow, that's great. And can I just please enjoy the Dole Whip that I'm about to walk <laughs> up to? So it can't be lost on the fact that there are there's a, a group of people that are listening to this going, that's incredible. And it's not the only place that Imagineers have had to put uh, a, a specific look on a building. We won't talk about it today, but you know, there's one of my favorites that you can see from uh, the Hollywood Studios that is in Epcot and vice versa. So uh, let's move on. Away from yeah, I, I think you just wanted a segue to talk about Dole Whips again, Jack. <laughs> well, anytime we can talk about Dole Whips, is I'm a happy guy. Um, but we're gonna we're gonna segue away from um, animatronic birds and go to the happiest haunt in the land, uh, the haunted mansion, which. It just from from a thematic standpoint, from an architecture standpoint, we could probably talk an entire show about. Um, but let's talk about the Disney Master End from the Haunted Mansion. And I was just going to say, I really struggled to only share one tip because yeah. the storyline behind it and the attention to little details is amazing. And as you said, when people go with you, they go, oh my God, I just want to enjoy if you're a fan and you meet me in Haunted Mansion, I will take you through and every room we've got another detail starting right before we even get inside the building. It is so incredibly immersed. But after you've entered that room with no windows and no doors <laughs> and you've found some way out and boarded your dune buggy, I'm going to tell you my favorite two things that come up pretty quick in the ride. The first is that Haunted Mansion is home, as far as I know, to the only hidden Donald in the park. And you will see right after you get down that hallway with all the eyes looking at you and you go around the corner, there's a room that has two chairs and it has some scroll work along the back side of the chair. And if you look carefully at the chair, you can make out Donald's hat and his eyes and the rest of his facial features. So you might have to ride it more than once because you need to be looking at the chair when you see it. But as soon as you see it, you'll never ride it again and not see it. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, what was the number two? second is the floating head that is now known as Madame Leota. And Madame Leota is named for an Imagineer. Leota Thomas was working on the attraction and she created a mock-up and in order to do that floating head in a glass, she used her own head, a picture of herself to create that image and was going to cast that part and find the perfect person. And they were so enamored with how she was able to get her looks that she was able to be added into the attraction they said no please don't change it if you want to do something right you have to do it yourself essentially is 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 what we figured <laughs> out there um mike i know one of the first things you want to talk about here is that this is obviously one of the attractions that's um that appears in both disneyland and at the magic kingdom but the first thing you want to talk about is the challenge here because they're not they're not identical from an architecture standpoint exactly so when you know the Haunted Mansion was originally developed, it was developed to sit in New Orleans Square in Disneyland, which, you know, if you look at 
you know, the Haunted Mansion in Disneyland, it is vastly different. You might not even know it's the same attraction because it's based in a southern plantation mansion. However, in Magic Kingdom, there is no New Orleans Square, so the attraction is placed in Liberty Square. And Imagineers decided, you know, decided to evoke this New York gothic style architecture, which many, you know, horror movies you, you might see evokes the same style of architecture. Imagineers also, you know, chose this architecture because it's vastly different from the colonial or federal style uh, architecture found throughout the rest of the land, such as in the Hall of Presidents. Um, and so this contrast kind of leads to a subconscious uneasiness that it doesn't fit within the rest of the land, which kind of lets guests know that there's kind of something up with this, you know, New York Gothic mansion on the hill. A little design feature note that I also, you know, like I said, I like to point out uh, to my family whenever I'm there, and they definitely roll their eyes every time I say it. Um, <laughs> is unlike most attractions or even houses, you don't enter the mansion through the front door. Instead, you walk under a covered walkway from the stables to a side door. Historically, this is actually accurate to northeastern mansions, um, where at the time period, you'd park your you know, park your carriage at the stables, and then you'd walk under a covered walkway to a side foyer, where you'd usually be greeted by a butler, which... We are at the mansion. We're definitely greeted by all of Master Gracie's butlers. Um, another fun fact, you know, I like to point out is that the skyline of Liberty Square, especially with the Haunted Mansion, um, Liberty Square into Frontierland, we go chronologically and, you know, across the country with our buildings. So we start in the you know 1600s with the Haunted Mansion in New York City. Then we move to Philadelphia in the 1700s with Liberty Square. And then we move, you know, to... Frontierland, which is, you know, the mid-1800s, and as we're going further west, outwards to San Francisco. So, as you go clockwise across the rivers of America, we're also going throughout time and across the country. We're, we're traveling time and space, essentially, is what you're getting there. Exactly. Um, all right, and... You know, some of you are going to going to be asking for different parts of the park we didn't get to, but you know, we would be remiss if we did a show on architecture and we didn't touch on the biggest piece of architecture that exists within the Magic Kingdom. Zero bricks are used to make this this particular thing. We're going to talk about Cinderella Castle. Sandy, give us the, a Disney master fact about Cinderella Castle that you think would be interesting for people to know as they visit. So when you're in the Magic Kingdom, the fact that I have for you there is if you are dining at Cinderella's Royal Table and you enter, you've checked in at the desk and you enter the waiting area where you'll get to meet Fairy Godmother, you kind of wait for your name to be called to go upstairs. If you scour that downstairs area, you will find Jack and Gus Gus hidden up on the rafters. So keep your eye out for them. Not within the Magic Kingdom itself, I will share with you that as a Disney master and a lifelong Disney fan, I was thrilled just 13 months ago to cross a visit to Van Nystrand Castle off of my bucket list. The original where it all began and what inspired Walt and his travels. And the fact when we talk about the architecture of it is that it is almost impossible because of the size of the true castle to get a picture of yourself in front of it. The closest that I came when you're standing in front of it, if you take a picture, it kind of looks like a white wall behind you. You can't get much of the castle, but down at the very bottom of the hill is where you can get the castle in the background. And as you're driving in Germany and you're getting close to the castle, it definitely sits high up a hill and it is an incredible sight as you get there. And I will 
give a tiny plug that I went right before my adventures by Disney Rhine River Cruise, and we'll be going again next year before I sail down the Danube because we'll start in Munich. So if you're dying to go see the castle, the original where it all began and what inspired Walt and his travels, we'll hook you up there too. Disney, the center of a lot of these Disney parks, especially here and in California and internationally, is the presence of the castle. So talk to us a little bit about the architecture when you're putting the castle together as we put a bow on this episode. It is the the epitome of forced perspective, I like to say. It's one of the best uses of it within the Magic Kingdom, and it makes a castle that's about 189 feet tall feel almost 400 feet tall. Um, and it definitely uses it to a T, especially in its upper spires. We, we already talked about, you know, Nyshwissen Castle in Bavaria that is one of its main inspirations but another inspiration that not many people know is that that main gold spire on the top of the castle is actually has uh, design influences from notre dame and paris um you know before the fire obviously uh it takes a lot of uh, architectural stylings from many different people but it's mostly based on german and french style uh, castles and going off of Sandy's Disney master fact about you know Jack and Gus Gus hiding in the lobby walls. As we leave the lobby of uh, Cinderella's royal table, I like to take note whenever I eat there is how architecturally and historically accurate the design of the inside as well as the outside of the castle is. As you're walking up the stairwell to go to the main dining hall, take a note of how the spiral staircase spirals it actually spirals in a clockwise direction and this is historically accurate to german and french castles this is because most knights were right-handed and so when you're defending a castle from other knights you know trying to take the castle right-handed knights can swing downwards when defending the castle but a right-handed knight cannot swing when going upwards up the stairs so herb ryman who is you know the lead architect and designer of the castle and you know a famous imagineer designed Cinderella's Royal Table to include these architectural stylings to make it as historically accurate as possible. Well, I do think that it's an interesting way to look at it, right? You talked about historically accurate when it comes to the castle. Essentially, that's how we began with historically accurate design along Main Street USA. So it's no surprise to me, it should be no surprise to, to anyone that might be listening to this show, that the basic principles of accuracy to the inspiration where the Imagineers are, are drawing this creative nature is, is, is usually spot on. It's usually a direct connection to what they've drawn the inspiration from. So, Mike, you've given a tremendous amount of information in a really short period of time. I thank you for taking the time tonight to give us the perspective on how architecture is, is authentically applied here at the Magic Kingdom and the elements of design. Thank you so much for having me. You know, this is definitely something I love talking about, and I love sharing you know all these little tidbits with as many people as possible. And Mike, I'm so glad you joined us. If you've listened to some of our earlier shows, back in episode 20, I talked about one of my favorite things to do when I do an adults-only trip. And one of my Walt Disney World bucket list items is that there are currently 28 Imagineers in the Dining with an Imagineer lunch program and i've met with almost a dozen of them and i hope that one day mike you're sitting at that table with me as our guest imagineer and i'll get to hear all of that perspective from you once you're making magic for so many people well i'm definitely looking forward to it 
And, and if I'm not at the meal, I'm going to be very disappointed. I'm just pointing that out right now. <laughs> we'll bring you along, Jeff. No worries. <laughs> All right. That's a wrap this week on Let's Talk Diz. If anyone you know could benefit from this or any of our shows, please share, have them like, and subscribe. And don't forget to reach out to the folks at Easy Diz by Instant Impressions Travel Services for any Disney destination planning. Make it a great week. And as always, keep making memories. <laughs>